0: You're listening to Intuit from Vulture in New York Magazine. I'm Sam Sanders. So, seeing a reality star on social media is not that unusual. But a reality star on Instagram calling for her colleagues to unionize, well?
1: These are the 10 terms that I propose subject to modification. I did not buy the idiot guide to starting a union in 24 hours.
0: That's Bethany Frankel, OG, real housewife, and now labor agitator.
1: The minimum should be $5,000 per episode. Talent should receive.
0: Well, go off, Bethany.
1: It is, in fact, their real lives, and forcing them to expose their real lives on reality television is unconscionable.
0: Now, to be clear, Bethany is just one star, a revolution that does not make. But also happening right now, two big-deal entertainment lawyers have begun investigating claims of some very bad treatment on reality sets. And they are threatening a possible lawsuit that could force some big change in what reality TV looks like. This episode, after the break, we will get into all of this, including a conversation with a real-life reality show contestant, Nick from Love is Blind. He tells me all about what it was like to be on that show. Hint. You have to give up your phone, you have to give up your passport and you have to give up your wallet before you even begin.
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child On August
0: 3rd, NBC Universal received a letter. It was from two high-powered Hollywood attorneys with very scary reputations. They were threatening legal action, and they had some major accusations.
2: In the letter, they allege that NBC has this pattern of, quote, grotesque and depraved mistreatment of its reality stars.
0: That's Claudia Rosenbaum.
2: I cover pop culture for um, Vulture. In addition, I'm an attorney.
0: She's been following the twists and turns of this story very closely. And there's more in that letter.
2: Um, They go on, you know, it's like three pages of allegations. And they accuse NBC of attempting to manufacture instability by applying cast members on the show with alcohol while also depriving them of food and sleep and denying them mental health services and covering up acts of sexual violence.
0: There are allegations of revenge porn, fraud, false imprisonment. When you see those kind of words in a letter, as an attorney, what do you think happens next? Yeah, they're pretty
2: severe allegations. And, you know, they haven't gotten into any specifics and they haven't said what shows they're referencing or what, you know, reality stars they're talking about. They've been pretty vague. They're just saying, you know, we're doing an investigation.
0: But these lawyers could be talking about any number of reality stars because NBC Universal makes a lot of reality TV. It owns Bravo, so, you know, they've got the entire Real Housewives empire.
1: How do you know what's good for me? That's my opinion!
0: They've also got the below-deck diaspora.
3: I've never heard of any yacht ever having a phone party. Phone parties should probably just stay where they belong in 1997.
0: They got Project Runway. Make it work. Go, go, go. Do it. And like a million other shows. Also, NBC Universal is a parent company of E and Oxygen and Telemundo and you get it. Lots of networks, lots of shows, lots and lots of reality stars. So far, NBC Universal is not saying much about this, but they have released a bit of a statement.
2: NBC has said that they're committed to maintaining a safe and respectful workplace for their cast and crew on the reality show. So they're denying, you know, they they say they've taken appropriate workplace trainings in place and any complaints have been brought to their attention. And they've investigated them and, you know, situations have been dealt with and they provided medical and psychological support to cast members if needed.
0: But the thing about reality TV is you can watch it, which means you can see some of this stuff play out like how an endless stream of alcohol might put cast members in dangerous situations. There was this one recent episode on an episode of Below Deck, Down Under. It's a Bravo show. This scene got a lot of attention. The first thing I thought about when I got out of bed. (laughs) Money and alcohol. So in this episode, a crew member named Margot gets trashed. She's literally passed out in her cabin. Another crew member named Luke walks into her cabin, naked, gets in her bed, And producers, they intervene. Open, open, open. We can't can't, can't do that. We can't do do that. We can't do
1: do that.
0: They kick Luke out of Margot's room and kick him off the whole show. You need to get up, mate.
1: You need to go. You need to get off the boat tonight. Really? Yeah.
2: Like that night, he was asked to leave the boat. And when he came back the next day, he was told that he was fired. And... You know, they did take swift action in that situation when, you know, there was something so wrong happening in front of their eyes. They, you know, took immediate
0: action. So, yeah, the producers stepped in here. But cast members getting wasted is a big part of this show. It's like there's a yacht, there are crew members, there's booze, which means dangerous situations are maybe almost baked into the show. This is the kind of thing these lawyers are talking about. By the way, these lawyers—they're kind of a big deal. Mark Garagos and Brian Friedman.
2: Just so you know a little bit about Mark Garagos, I mean he's represented Michael Jackson, Winona Ryder, Chris Brown, Usher, and and Friedman, you know, has in the past represented Bethany Frankel, um, Diplo, and Chris Harrison when he was fired from The Bachelor, uh, Megan Kelly when she was taken off her show.
0: So the backdrop to all of this is that TV networks and streamers are leaning very hard on reality shows right now because of the writers and actors strikes. Reality shows are cheap. They are easy to make. They are not subject to these strikes. And reality cast members are not part of a union. But maybe they should be. (laughs)
1: The minimum should be $5,000 per episode.
0: Bethany Frankel, what are you doing here?
1: Talent should receive a 10% raise each season.
0: She's asking to get paid. Frankel is about as big a reality star as you can get. She's an original cast member of The Real Housewives of New York. She's got an alcohol brand called Skinny Girl. And her latest enterprise is labor agitation.
1: These are the 10 terms that I propose subject to modification. I did not by The Idiot Guide to Starting a Union in 24 Hours, but these
0: are... A union for reality stars. Minimum pay, seasonal raises, residuals, and a bunch of other things. But the message here is that these shows make a ton of money, and the casts do not
1: and you are not hiding behind the words of someone else where no one's going to bother you or cancel you if you say something in a moment of just being truly who you are or make a mistake. You are completely and utterly always exposed and your life and career could end in an instant by just one wrong word.
0: So is a reality show reckoning on the way? More money for these contestants and cast members. Better protections for cast and crews. We'll know more if this lawsuit actually drops. And we'll also see if Bethany starts a union. All right, coming up, a guy who's been working on a fix. A guy who worked on a reality show. As a contestant on the Netflix mega hit Love is Blind. Nick Thompson. Yes, that Nick. He has stories after the break.
3: built to be accessible, empowering, and community-building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
0: Love is Blind on Netflix is huge. A cultural juggernaut. Welcome
4: to Love is Blind! <laughs> Woo! The pods are officially
0: open. Open. Perhaps because the premise is a little bonkers. A bunch of single people hang out in these rooms called pods. They talk to other single people from their pods. They date them from their pods. This is Nick. Who's this? It's
1: Trisha.
0: Hey, Trisha. And the whole time... You don't get to see the person that you are ostensibly falling in love with.
3: There's something about your voice.
4: (laughs) That's what everyone keeps telling me.
0: Until you are ready to propose.
4: You're holding my mother's engagement ring. Will you marry me?
2: Hoping for the best, but will we come boss?
0: Remind me, how long was it from the first conversation with this person to engagement? So it's about 10 days. Oh my God. (laughs) That's Nick Thompson. He was on season two of Love is Blind. He got engaged and he got married on the show.
4: Oh, my beautiful girl. I now declare you to be husband and wife. Nick, you may kiss your wife.
0: Now Nick has a lot to say about what it's like to star on a reality TV show. And he wants everyone, the networks, the streamers, us, the viewers. He wants us all to do better. When did you first consider even doing reality TV, period? For Love is Blind, they reached out to me through LinkedIn,
4: and um, that was pretty much. Wait, wait, stop. Yeah.
0: What, w- what in your LinkedIn profile do you think attracted Netflix and Love is Blind? <laughs> I
4: think there's two things. One, I was actually active on LinkedIn, but I also think just that I was a successful professional. Uh, I was, you know, I kind of had my stuff together. I would say and I think that on a show like Love is Blind you need to have uh, some people that are you know a little bit older a little bit more successful professionally or at least further along in their career and sort of have their stuff together and I think from looking at my LinkedIn that was pretty evident.
0: How fast was that whole
4: thing? It was November and I was told I was cast the end of March early April so it was like four months total. Woke up one day and I was there. Yeah. (laughs) When you get there this
0: is what I'm always so curious about like I feel like I have watched since I was a kid footage of the reality contestants showing up for the first day. You know, it was in the real world, in road rules, all these shows do it. But what is it actually like when you show up at the place, at the house, at the whatever on the first day? It all happens so
4: fast. (laughs) Well, it's, it's a set, so it's not actually a house.
0: But you live in an
4: apartment. So when you're doing the pods, you're actually just on set for like 18, 20 hours,
0: and then you get sent back to a hotel room Stop when it. you're in the hotel no, room. No, Nick. Yeah. They lied to I me. I know, I'm ruining everything Nick. for you. <laughs> There's not—I thought y'all were all just in like an apartment building for the whole time. So so like tell me about this set, and tell me what that was like, and tell me what it was like to go from a hotel room to a set for 18 hours a day. Exhausting.
4: They even unhooked like YouTube uh internet connectivity from our tvs so we couldn't stream so i never tried to use the phone but i know someone else did and it got intercepted by uh the front desk it's very isolating so when you first arrive you go to set um you're not allowed to talk to any of the cast members so you're you're already starting to be isolated you give up your phone you give up your wallet you give up your passport you give up any money you have um you know any real form of identification or ability to be a consumer and purchase anything, um, you're not given a hotel room key when you get sent to your hotel. So you're not allowed to leave the hotel room without permission. You can't really comprehend what it's like to be isolated like that. It's basically like solidary confinement and you're, you're just stuck there with your thoughts. So, you know, it's a slow build. They slowly take away your identity. So when you get there, you're, okay, you can't talk to anyone. Okay, well, give us your phone. We knew we were going to give the phone. None of us knew we weren't going to have our wallet or
0: any identification, which, I mean, imagine that. So you couldn't even, like, flee it. Like, you couldn't even say one night at midnight, I'm fleeing, I'm done with this. Because you have no wallet, you have no ID, you have no money. You can't go anywhere. Imagine. It's like the Texas Chainsaw
4: Massacre. You finally get away from Leatherface, and then you (sighs) get a car that stops you, and you're like, oh my God, I've been held captive by a reality TV show. Right? Like, what's going to happen if you leave? You literally can't leave. Did you ever expect,
0: before you went on to Love is Blind, that you would come out of that show and that process comparing it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? (laughs) No <laughs> That's probably the most thought-provoking question I think I've ever answered. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm very curious. You're telling me a lot about this experience. How much are you allowed to tell me? Did the contract you signed have an NDA?
4: Uh, yeah, the contract does have an NDA and I'm telling you things I probably uh, would violate that NDA, but you are legally protected to whistleblow on your working environment. So I, I take that approach and I'm explaining and whistleblowing on poor working conditions, inhumane treatment, and you know my expectations for a better reality TV production process. So You know, it's an unfortunate thing that in these contracts and these NDAs, and they scare you into not wanting to leave either because if you leave during production, you owe them 50K in damages. Stop, 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 stop,
0: stop, stop, stop. Are you serious, Nick? Netflix is going to make you pay them $50,000 if you choose to leave your reality TV prison cell. Without a producer's permission, yes. Did you? Have any idea that that was one of the stipulations of your contract when you signed it? I read
4: the entire contract. I had to have some amendments. You did? To me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm
0: I'm not I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but but let's be real here. I bet a lot of your fellow contestants did not read it. Oh, I'm sure they
4: didn't. I'm sure there were elements yeah. like that though that that you had to know. But when you're reading this contract, because it's so unreal or and outside of the realistic life that people live that you really don't even comprehend what these contracts are saying until you look at them in retrospect. It's really like false imprisonment in a lot of cases.
0: What were the producers doing in the midst of this extreme isolation for all the contestants? Were they helpful to y'all? Were they nice and kind to you? Were they the prison wardens? How did they play into this?
4: I think they they play into all of those that you said. They are from before you even go on the show. Your producers are treating you like they're your friends and they're getting to know you. But what they're really doing is getting to know what levers to pull, getting to know your triggers, getting to know your insecurities, getting to know how they can get you to do the things that they have predetermined that they want you to do. And so, you know, I, I think you get a little bit of the the friendly vibe from that. They also don't want you to actually leave. So they, they try to Toe that line of warden and, and line of I'm your friend and I'm here to help you find love and find out what's best for you. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to manipulate you into saying or doing anything. And then that's what their that's what their job is, quite frankly, their jobs to produce entertaining TV. What was the worst thing the producers did to you, in your opinion? They didn't do anything deliberately bad to me. They were very okay. damaging to, to Danielle.
0: And not do anything but be in my head. I sat in the closet. I locked the door, I shut this, and I sat in the closet. They were uh,
4: saying things to her, asking her questions, like just killing her her confidence and trying to exploit um, her insecurities. And I mean, she had a panic attack in Mexico. They made her look crazy and didn't tell me she had a panic attack and told me to go talk about the party I was at with all the couples. Oh no. And she was just coming down from it. um, I don't know, maybe an hour earlier. But you know what? Hmm. I just wanted to get back with you. I literally was like, can I leave, can I,
0: leave? Yeah, I mean, it looked like you were having fun.
4: Looked like?
0: Yeah, what do you think I was doing out there? I was bored.
4: You watched it?
0: Yeah, well, I watched part of it. No,
4: no psychologist, no mental health expert, no one, just producers. But we were all struggling. We were all struggling um, as it was going on. We were struggling in anticipation for an airing. Um, I think most of us were, were a little uneasy at the very least, but when you're filming, like you just don't realize it's happening cause you're just slowly being chipped away. Um from a mental and physical perspective because you're exhausted you're you're not sleeping right you're not eating right you're not getting exercise it just takes its toll on you cuz you start to wonder like what's real and what's not and then you watch the show back and it's like you're getting gaslit because you're like that didn't happen that way i did not say that to that person they left out the context of that scene and that is that's a hard thing to to go through
0: do you think you got a villain edit in post
4: no i okay. i don't think i got a bad edit at all okay Because a lot of folks don't say that. I think a lot of people do get bad edits. I mean, there were people on my season that were misrepresented and given a villain edit. And they were manipulated into doing and saying some of these things that they never would have said or did in real life.
0: One of the things I've heard or read, and I want to say it pertains to the show that you were on, was the amount of alcohol always around and the absence of other fluids like water. What was going on there? So from the moment you get there all the way until you're,
4: you're like on set when you're back home, like you, you have limited access to food and water. It's definitely not at your discretion, but there's just always alcohol. And if there was an alcohol, alcohol showed up very shortly thereafter.
0: Really? Yeah.
4: Did they tell you to drink or just leave it there? Um, they encourage, I would say they don't tell you, but they they encourage you to, to drink for sure. Um, there's always alcohol when you're filming. That was actually one of the the uh, policies was that if, if you're filming, there's alcohol available.
0: All right, time for a break. When we come back, I play devil's advocate with Nick and ask a simple question. Didn't you know what you were signing up for? Stay with us. All right, I hear you saying all of this. They plied us with alcohol. We were isolated. We had no phone, wallet. We could not escape. We were locked in hotel rooms. I hear this, but I also am like, some of this you would just expect, at least on a small scale, going on a reality TV show. There are going to be some people who hear this and say, you signed up for it. This is a show about people being in pods isolated to find love. You know, you saw the first season. They had alcohol there. People will say since the days of the real world, (laughs) reality TV has kind of worked with like alcohol and drama. What do you say to folks who are just like, you know what, Nick, you signed up for this. Here's what I will say you again
4: don't know what you're signing up for right you don't realize what the isolation is going to do to you You don't even know you're going to be isolated for two or three days before you even start filming and then you're going to be isolated in Mexico for another two or three days after you're done in the pods and you don't know that you're not going to have adequate access to food and water I'm also. Very keen on the fact that you cannot sign away your basic human rights, right? I don't even really have a lot of patience for the you signed up for it crowd anymore because they're just upset and they're upset about something in their life. And they're projecting that out onto reality cast members who were clearly exploited and not treated like human beings and subject to defamation, misrepresentation, and you can't say anything. And these are all in the contracts, but you don't know what it's actually like until you live it. How much did you make- from doing the show? You get $1,000 a week. So how much was that for you total? Uh $10,000 when you include After the Altar, which uh when you're in the pods, equates to about $7.14 a minute
0: or an hour. I am very sorry. I'm very sorry. You don't have to be sorry, man. It's all good. I survived. Uh, that, But that kind of sucks. Like, how do you feel? I'm mad on your behalf <laughs> just hearing you tell me this. How do you feel right now? I feel... You know i feel like there needs to be a lot of change in this industry
4: and you know as you alluded all the way back to real world days all the way back to you know and i've actually unfortunately talked to people from like talk shows in the 80s who have had extremely similar um situations where they're being put into scenarios or they have no idea they're getting into so i think we need change um and that's kind of where i find my fire so i think we have to we have to get some basic labor practices around uh, these reality shows because they're making billions of dollars and there's no residuals, there's no excess payment. They're
0: you know, pumping out two seasons a year now. And what do we have? It's global. I want you to talk more about these protections you're fighting for, particularly in the context of your experience on Love is Blind. What protections would you have wanted to have
4: then? First and foremost, there needs to be uh lawyers that can review these contracts. Someone needs to inform these production companies of what's legal and what's not. So we have to get these contracts to not just completely benefit the production companies. Mm. I mean, if you read these things, there's like 30 page mine's like 30 pages long. Mm. And there's, like I said, 50k if you leave. If you speak out against the edit, you can be fined up to a million dollars each time. Like that's insane. Are you kidding me? So wow. you can You can defame Mm -hmm. me, misrepresent me, and I have no recourse, which it says in the contract. But I can't speak against the defamation. I think one of the most important things we need to do is actually support people in their mental health and wellness. Because no matter what the show is, it takes a toll on your mental health. You're making these insane life-altering decisions every day in a pressure cooker environment. And so I think we need to have... Uh, independent mental health support before the show, during the show, and then after the show. But, um, you know, we, we can produce ethical reality TV. People are dramatic in general. We'll still have the drama. It's just maybe we won't damage people from an emotional or physical perspective uh, while we do it. It's not The Hunger Games. Well, it is The Hunger Games. But... People would
0: watch. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. People would watch The Hunger Games. I know. I know. Well, Will ethical reality TV be as fun to watch? I think so. I think it would be a different
4: experience. Um, but I think that if we do produce ethical reality TV, which is, you know, from my perspective, something that's very doable, I think it'll be a different experience, but it'll still be an entertaining one. I just don't think we have to exploit people in the process. because It does severe long-term damage. I personally, I wonder, I wondered it this morning, too. Am I ever gonna feel like I felt before this show? I want you to unpack that for me. How do you want to feel? What is that feeling you want back? You know, I went into this in the best mental space I think I've probably ever been. Um, I knew what I wanted. I knew that I had my career, which was um, you know, incredibly successful. I had spent a lot of time building that up for myself. I was in a good spot, but I, I did end up getting laid off from my job uh, right in the, the midst of my very public divorce. Now, when I do job interviews, I have to have a whole separate interview where it's how do you navigate being a public figure and what happens when customers uh, recognize you? How do you handle that? How do you direct it back to business? And how do you manage, um, you know, working with analysts when people may not take you as seriously because they saw you on a TV show? There's like a whole extra layer of things now in life and in my job and in career that I have to like go through an extra hoop. Um, which is, you know, it's tough. So it really has just impacted, um,
0: you know, so many aspects of your life. I just don't think you can anticipate that. So you have a group organizing uh, to help reality stars past, current, and future. And I'm sure you've seen uh, by now this legal letter recently about workplace protections for reality show stars. And you've probably seen Bethany Frankel, one of the most famous Real Housewives of all time,  … calling for a reality TV union. With all these things happening at once your work, her work, this legal letter, do you think we're on the cusp of some big change in the way these companies treat reality TV contestants?
4: I think it's coming whether they want it to come or not. More and more people are obviously speaking out. Then I think all of us coming together is going to be what forces change in the industry. So I have uh, co-founded the UCAN Foundation, which is the Unscripted Cast Advocacy Network. Uh, we have immediate void we're trying to fill right now by you know partnering up with mental health professional and legal professionals to make sure that people know what's going on. Like they can go into a show understanding what's legal and what's not understanding their rights and then after the show when your whole life just changes with like the snap of a finger um and so we're doing that but we also have the advocacy part right which is working towards change because the time is is now for a variety of reasons but one of them is with hollywood on strike there's just more reality tv being produced and if there's more reality tv being produced that means there's going to be more people that are uh mentally and physically damaged coming out of these shows so it's it. We're in this moment where we need to stand together. Understand that we are workers, and we are making a plethora of cash for these production companies, and we deserve protections and rights and negotiating power and all sorts of um, you know typical labor laws that somehow reality TV production has escaped.
0: That was Nick Thompson. He got married on Netflix. Now Nick helps run an advocacy organization for people who are about to star, are starring, or have starred on reality TV. Also, we reached out to Netflix and the production company that makes Love is Blind just to see if they wanted to respond to any of this. We did not hear back. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. This episode was produced in collaboration with the Vox podcast Today Explained. Production by Siona Petros, and editing by Jolie Myers. Fact-checking by Laura Bullard. Engineering support from Patrick Boyd and David Herman. Also, listeners, if you want to hear more of this voice, I have been doing some guest hosting over at Today Explained. Go check out that feed. It's fun. Dare I say, and I mean this, it's my favorite news podcast. All right, Intuit is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabi Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zinn. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kirwa. Listeners, we are back on Friday with a brand new episode. Till then, in the spirit of reality TV, if you got some time to kill, might I invite you to go watch The Real Housewives of Potomac. My God. The perfect kind of drama. Okay, bye.